0: Hi, this is Tom Paquette, and I just want to say thank you to those of you who listen to our messages online. Uh, I'm just, uh, We're just really blessed here at the Vineyard to think that God is using what we do here in greater ways and uh, that it's a blessing to you guys out there. And so thanks so much for listening, and uh, we just really appreciate that and appreciate uh, your continued prayers for us as we just uh, try to do what we sense God calling us to do. Well, things are going to be a little different on the message this week. We had a little uh, glitch in our program on uh, Sunday, and so we didn't actually get the, the last message of the series recorded. But I thought maybe I could try it. I've never done this before, but I thought maybe I could approach this a little differently and just uh, kind of give you guys a, a presentation of it uh, without it being live in a service. And uh, it's going to be a little different for me. It'll sound a little different, I'm sure, uh, a little different from me. And that I really depend on that move of the Holy Spirit and just being with people and their reactions and what I see God doing in their lives as I speak. Uh, but I thought it'd just uh, be worth a try. So uh, if this is a blessing to you as the last message in the Soul Care series, then uh, that's that's great, and it's worth the effort here. So I started the message just by asking people if they'd ever started anything that they that they didn't finish, and of course, people were saying yes, and they were calling out various kinds of things like diets and exercise programs and projects at home, kitchens, stuff like that, that they started but never finished. And you know, I think that in a real sense, the church of America, we've gotten pretty good at getting people started in their walk with the Lord, but I'm a little concerned about how well we're doing with helping them finish well. And Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Which you know clearly tells us that there's more to being a Christian than just believing in Jesus. Jesus said, If anyone would be my disciple, let him take up his cross, deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Father in heaven, I just pray as I bring this word to to people, whatever their situation is, wherever they are, I just pray the power of the Holy Spirit to come, even in this different way, so that you can touch people where they live, touch touch them where they live, just help them, Lord, help them to see, help them to know, help them to have the power of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit living inside of them, so that they can walk the walk that you're calling them to and walk the walk that I believe is in their heart. And so I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Well, this summer, uh, Rob and I have been endeavoring to bring you all um, a series of messages that we call Soul Care. And our, our concept has been that we have felt compelled the Holy Spirit to help you develop the practices that will really take care of your soul, because that's the most important part of you. You Your body's important, of course. Your mind, of course, is important. But the Bible says that God has set eternity in the hearts of men. So there's something inside of each one of us that is going to live forever. And that's really the part that we have to pay the most attention to. And so we've been We've been looking at some of these things, often called spiritual disciplines, which is kind of a big term for things that Christians have done for centuries to connect well with God. And uh, so these are the things that when we practice them consistently, our soul prospers, our spirit prospers, that part of us that's born again by the blood of Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit really prospers. And, uh, you know, if you think of your life kind of as one of those fidget wheels uh, that kids like to play with today, uh, in one of those five-pronged fidget wheels, and just imagine that you're one of those, and the cross of Jesus Christ is on that center part and defining you as somebody who is serious about walking with Jesus. And that if there were five prongs or arms of this fidget wheel describing your life, that um, we could say that there are five foundational practices for you to incorporate into your life that serve as a foundation for having a healthy walk with Jesus Christ. And those those five foundational practices are prayer, and Bible study, and worship, fellowship, and service. That, that that these are the things that really define the basic foundation of a disciple uh, uh, of Jesus Christ. That we are people of prayer, of course. We're going to try to develop this relationship of speaking to and hearing from God. That we are people of study. People who study the Bible. It's amazing that God has given us His Word. And we can study it and we can, we can somehow know part of His mind. That, that we are people of worship. That this is the automatic response of love to the one who saved us. To the one who initiated the salvation process and provided His Son Jesus for our redemption, that we we worship God, and and truly everybody worships a little bit differently, and we respect that here at the Vineyard. Um, you know, we're not trying to like cookie cutter people and say you gotta worship this way. At the end of the day you got to worship. You can't you can't not worship and say that's my style of worship. Worship is a primary response of praise and adoration to the God who saved us. But there's fellowship. Fellowship is that aspect of being connected to other people in the body, other brothers and sisters in Christ, relationships um, that are defined by the Spirit and the Word, relationships that are deeper than many common relationships that we have in the world. They're relationships of support and accountability. This is fellowship. that There's no real option for being a Christian uh, in isolation. That's, that fellowship is a foundational aspect of our walk with God. And then from that service, we have ministry in us. God put gifts in us. He put passion in us. He puts us in circumstances where we can express the Spirit of God, the gifts of the Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit. And these can come in so many different ways, inside the church and outside the church. But these five core practices... Prayer, Bible, study, worship, fellowship, and service. These five core practices really serve as the foundation for our walk with Jesus. And and these, in fact, are spiritual disciplines. These, in fact, are the primary spiritual disciplines. Now, if if you want to think about that fidget wheel, and then think about a a circle uh, around, on the outside of that thing, that, That has kind of orbits around it, if you will, with a number of, you know, maybe eight or ten other practices that are called spiritual disciplines. Things we've talked about like simplicity and submission and solitude and silence, Sabbath, we've talked about sacrifice, we've talked about celebration. In this series, these things we've talked about, and in addition to things we haven't talked about, like fasting and and uh, uh, confession, that that these realities are also spiritual disciplines, and they kind of create a, a second layer of opportunity. For relationship with God. And when we consistently bring them into our lives, um, then they actually um, facilitate those five core things. They actually improve, enhance, augment those five core things that we do all the time. So what I'm saying is that as a person who's serious about following Jesus, I strongly encourage you to commit yourself to those five practices and then to Consider the others that we've talked about and that you can read about in Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline. Or you can read about in Dallas Willard's book, um, The Spirit of the Disciplines. Um, But consider those additional disciplines as those you visit and those you periodically but consistently bring into your life to enhance those core five that you do all the time. So that's really what Rob and I have been uh, hoping to convey to you over this past summer. And then we've talked also that these spiritual disciplines actually create freedom in our lives. They create an essential freedom that sets us free to be the people of God that, that he calls us to be and that we want to be. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about freedom from superficiality, that that these, these spiritual disciplines, when we consistently incorporate them in our lives, and authentically practice them, that they draw us into the deep end with God, that they break through that, you know, hi, how are you? I'm fine, how are you? Kind of relationship that we can casually develop with God and draws us into the deep that deep calls to deep aspect of our relationship with God. And this is a progression. So once, once with it, we, we discover that we're swimming in the deep end, we realize that there's a second kind of freedom that he wants to bring about in our lives, and that's a freedom from self-centeredness, that we're born self-centered. We're born thinking we're the center of the universe, we're born and then it's enhanced by the condition of original sin thinking that the world revolves around us and that's something that that God through the power of the Holy Spirit wants to break in us and he wants to move us off of the the center of our lives so that he can take command and control and so the redemptive work of Jesus Christ invites us into a place where then he he moves us. He 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 actually destroys our capacity to control ourselves. You know, I, I, I know I've I've said this in other messages before, but I think you can overstate it that that, that the, the 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 plan of God through His Son Jesus Christ is not to make us wealthy. The plan of God through Son Jesus Christ is not to make us prettier or younger. Um, oh, the plan of Jesus Christ is to kill us. That Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, so if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself. So it's not going to be about ourself in the middle, in the center. Let him deny himself and take up his cross. And follow me. To bear the instrument of its own destruction. So that the plan of God is to kill us so that we can live. I mean, we have to die. Die to the old self so that the new self can live. We have to die so we can live. And if you think about it, Jesus went first. That's exactly what he did. He died so that He could live. And so, that our faith in Him invites us into the same experience. So, as we're freed from superficiality and from self-centeredness, we're ready to move into the what I think is the third arena of freedom brought about by the spiritual disciplines, and that's freedom from slavery to habitual sin. Now, everybody I know, I think, I, I guess maybe I can't say that, but I, I think we all say we've got stuff left in our lives that we don't want there, and some of it's habitual. Some of it is stuff that we just keep returning to. How do we get out of that? When we have those episodes of clarity where we commit ourselves and it lasts for a little while, but then, I don't know, if you're like me, it's kind of like you just get back there again. How do we get free from that? When we get free from that, by the incorporation of these spiritual disciplines into our lives. And once, that's a progression, once you're freed from superficiality and drawn into the deep end, you see, begin to see yourself and, and in that light. And once you're freed from self-centeredness, then you have an opportunity to do this next thing, which is to be free from from habitual sin. Because in reality... There's that's, that's what part of what, main part of what living the life of Jesus Christ is. It's to be transformed away from our sin and away from our sin patterns toward the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So in Matthew 16, uh, verses 24 through 28, Jesus, uh, it's, then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So by the very words of the gospel, it is true that we are saved by grace, not by our works. We are absolutely saved by the grace of God through Christ, through faith in Christ alone. Nothing else can save us. But notice that once saved, that what we do next makes a difference. You know, when you look at this phrase... Uh, that we have to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him, take up our cross, well, this could mean a couple of things. This could mean, and I really think it does mean this, this could mean that we have to come to a personal, a personal encounter with Jesus Christ on the cross. I mean, Jesus Christ died on the cross, the book of Hebrews says that he died on the cross once and for all. So the blood that he shed was shed historically once for all, so that the blood he shed was shed once, but it speaks through the centuries in behalf on behalf of those who come to him in faith. And so to take up their cross could could very much mean that when we have an encounter with Jesus on the cross, when we surrender to him in faith, then we have taken up our cross. It's a personalization of the thing. But another way to think of it is what the cross was. And the cross was an instrument of death. And so that we have to take up our cross that we were saved by the cross but then what happens next is that we live a life of sacrifice we live a life of sacrifice and in doing this in the consistent consistent practice of the foundational disciplines I talked about earlier and then the the secondary disciplines if you will then we can actually experience freedom from slavery to habitual sin. It can actually happen, and I believe it's actually the plan of God for our lives. You know, concerning the cross, this is, this is a risky statement because it can be so easily misinterpreted, but I, I fear that in, in the American church we have overemphasized the sufficiency of the cross. How can, and, and you know you might be thinking, how can you possibly even say that? I mean, how, how could you overemphasize that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, that all of our sins were forgiven? How could you, how could you overemphasize the sufficiency of the cross? And I think we can overemphasize it in this way, that I, I fear that we have presented the cross to the people of America as an ending point that when you come to the cross that that's all there is to do and in reality there's a truth to that that when we come to Christ through the power of the cross we are forgiven and that's that's all there is to do in that respect but it's not the end of the thing but it's the beginning of a thing it's the end of an old life and the beginning of a new life. And some of you may be kind of arguing in your minds a little bit with me, saying, but but what about what Jesus said on the cross? He said, it is finished. So isn't that an end? Well, well what was finished? Well, what was finished? What was finished was that condemnation on humanity, that the result of the fall of Adam, that the sin that was... Bear you know we were bearing on our own shoulders was taken off of us by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and in in doing that that was finished, and what was also finished when Jesus Christ died and then rose again from the dead, what was finished is the power of death over us, and what was finished was the command of Satan over us because Jesus Christ. Conquered death and conquered sin and conquered Satan on the cross. So all of that was finished. But he didn't say, You are finished. He said, It is finished. And so the cross comes to us as, as something that absolutely finishes certain things, but it's also a starting point for other things. And it's the starting point of, uh, of a, of a new life. I want you to think of it this way. You know, the cross of Jesus Christ really does two things for us. It it first of all, it uh, it changes our status before God. That our status as sinners who are born into a sinful generation uh, that we're lost, and the cross of Christ. Causes us to be found, and so our status changes from condemned to saved, from dead to alive, and so our status changes, and our our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Praise the Lord! Uh, but there's something else that also happens, and that is that the power of the cross demolishes strongholds in our lives so that we can then begin to live a new life. You know, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, it says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Listen, beloved, the reason that you have habitual sin in your life is because there's a stronghold. There's something beneath the surface of the sin that is a stronghold. There's a root that Satan has found a way to have there, and that's a stronghold. I mean, you know in your own mind and heart, you do not want to behave that way, and yet you find yourself repeating that. There's a stronghold there. And the power of the cross, Demal, is a weapon of God, and it it's a weapon that demolishes those strongholds but then there's a life to be lived and maybe you've been in a situation where you've you know you've been in a service or you've been in some situation where somebody prayed for you to demolish strongholds and you felt the power of God come and demolish that stronghold and for a space of time you felt like you had victory over it but then gradually you just you just kind of drifted back into that same habitual sin was the stronghold not demolished? The stronghold was demolished. That's what the Word of God says, so that's what happened. What didn't happen was that you were set free from that life so that you could live a new life. What likely didn't happen was the integration of those five foundational disciplines and the also the practice of the other disciplines so that that created a true freedom, a true freedom from slavery to habitual sin. Here's what's happened in my life. I was a mess and God came and he came and he changed my life. It's really just not any more complicated than that. And so the stuff I used to do that once as a young Christian, I began just suddenly becoming aware that it wasn't anything that honored God and had to go, that the stuff I I used to do is gone now, praise God, because the, I came to the cross, so my forgiveness was purchased, uh, but the strongholds were shattered, but then, then, like you, I had a season where they'd be shattered, I'd be good for a while, then Then I'd be right back at it again. And it wasn't until I discovered that get those strongholds shattered by the cross of Christ and then walk out of that experience integrating these these five core spiritual disciplines and the others into your life, the five core consistently all the time, the others periodically but consistently. And in doing that, two things happened one of the things that happened was one of the things that happened was that my desires began to change just mysteriously i wasn't as interested in the things of sin that i used to be interested in and then the, but the other more amazing thing that happened was that as i practiced those spiritual disciplines just god began using me more and more and more in 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 the most amazing ways and the most surprising ways so that I didn't have time to revisit the sin. I was far more captured and fascinated with what God was doing, and so there was a replacement thing that happened. And so that's, that's really what I want to tell you. I just want you to understand that, that the cross of Jesus Christ has the power to set you free, but it's, it, it's not magic. It will demolish strongholds, but that is an invitation into a, a new beginning a new beginning. And, and and you know what? It's a process. I want you to think of it this way. You know, uh, on our farm, we we, we recently, uh, with some of the dads and the kids in the church, we recently planted a big patch of pumpkins. And the reason was, is because every year we have a, a children's, a fall children's party. And our children's director, Heather, does an amazing job of just setting that up all out on our farm A couple hundred kids come, it seems like. And I I know, you know, we just need a lot of pumpkins because she wants to give a pumpkin to every kid. And so we always go out and buy them. And and so Heather and I just hatched this plan. Well, why would we do that? So why, why don't we just plant pumpkins? And the kids can come and pick them out of the field. And so... Uh, seemed like a great idea, so I, you know, I plowed up this patch and disked it and got it all ready for the kids to come out and do the planting. And in fact, on a really hot Sunday afternoon, they came out and we fixed all that up and planted it. And uh, you know, we stuck those seeds in the ground and we prayed a little prayer together. And and the next Sunday, kids started coming to me and saying, "Are the pumpkins there yet? Are the pumpkins there?" And you know they had no idea. They seemingly they they didn't know that you don't just put the seed in the ground and then the pumpkin is there, but you put the seed in the ground and then a process occurs and now here it is late August, the pumpkins are there and they're turning orange and it's a remarkable it's a remarkable illustration of what God wants to do in our lives, but There had to be a process of cooperation. I think another way to think about it is is kind of the way we talk about travel. And, you know, if you wanted to go to Atlanta from Columbus here, if you wanted to go to Atlanta, somebody might say, well, that's easy. If you just get on 75, it'll take you to Atlanta. And that's what they said, and so that's what you do. If you just get on 75, it'll take you to Atlanta. So you go out 70 toward Dayton, or you go down 71 toward Cincinnati, somewhere where you will intersect 75. And you get there, and you see, well, there it is, 75 south. And so you, you, you take the clover leaf, and you find yourself on 75 south, and you, as soon as you're on it, you just pull over to the side and, and put it in park, and you turn the car off. You go. How come I'm not getting to Atlanta? They said, they said that if I got on 75, it would take me to Atlanta. And we all, we all know you got, you got to drive. You got to make the trip. Think about it that way. I don't know how many of you have ever, like me, been up late one night, and you know you've had a a pizza, followed by ice cream, and then, you know, you were up for a couple of more hours, and so you thought you better wash that down with some Snickers or something. And you're sitting there, and then an infomercial comes on, with one of these guys who's working out or women who's working out and you know this they got this 60-day plan to change your body and this amazing specimen of athletic power and and you go oh, I'm getting that that's exactly what I need I need to I need that change to occur in my life and I don't know if you've ever ordered one of those things or something like that and it came and you say, oh man here it is. This is great. And then you didn't do it. You know, it it turns out you actually have to do it. And it turns out that even just watching the video, watching somebody else do it, doesn't make any difference to you. That you actually have to do it. The cross of Jesus Christ is a starting line. It's a starting point. And then there's a life to be lived afterwards, characterized by those five core disciplines, characterized by integrating those other disciplines into our lives. As we do that, we will be set free. We will be set free from a superficial, sort of candy-coated walk with God that we know in our hearts isn't what the Bible's talking about. We'll be set free from that. We'll be set free from self-centeredness, where, where somehow <clears throat> we're set free from thinking that, that our happiness is what is really the prime goal here, and, and, and we realize there's, there's a, there's, there are a lot more important things than that. And then we'll be set free. We'll be set free from slavery to habitual sin. This, this can happen for you. Bible says in Jeremiah, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters a rock. Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus, for for those who are listening, I pray. I pray that your word would go into their world now, like a rock. Like a hammer. And shatter the rock. I pray that you'll go in the power of the Holy Spirit right now and demolish strongholds, that these habitual sins, which are so besetting to their hearts, they're, they're so discouraging and so so shameful to themselves. They just feel under a burden of shame. I just pray that you would show them that that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame. And I pray, Father God, that the power of that cross would come and would uh, would give opportunity to anybody listening who hasn't come to you yet. I pray that you just get right up in their space, Lord, with the cross of Jesus and say, come to me, son, come to me, daughter. And that today they'd have an opportunity to ask Christ into their lives. And I pray for those who do know you, Lord, who struggle with... Habitual sin and all that that brings, I pray for a shattering of strongholds that you would demolish strongholds so they could have that new moment, that set free moment where they, as an act of their own will, can begin to move forward in these powerful practices that you have revealed to us in your word and have been confirmed by Christians for centuries that integrate, your word, your spirit, your power into our lives so that we may encounter you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.